Do you love Batman? Do you love Frasier? Do you love Seinfeld? Do you love Dr. Seuss? Do you love James Bond? Do you love Captain America? Oh, hell, do you just love everything that's nerd-related? I know I do. Well, you should come on over to a Nerds World podcast and listen to us, Justin and Andrew, talk everything that's nerd. Yeah, every two weeks, we delve into some random topic that we choose at the end of each episode, and we tell you the whole history of it, or as much as we feel the need to write down, our history of it, and our favorite things about it. So come on over to a Nerds World, wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone to pod and gore your one-stop shop for everything horror now here's your host justin and brandon take it away boys hello everybody and welcome to pod and gore your one-stop shop for most things horror uh Mm. i am one of your hosts brandon i am your other host justin and welcome to the show and we are working on the other things horror. In fact, my next episode, which we'll get to at the end of the show, we're trying something a little bit new. So I hope that uh, it works out and tends us towards, you know, covering the other bases of horror. Yeah, and uh, I'm not 100% nailed down on my topic after that, but I'm going to tell you it's not a movie either. So mm-hmm. we are we're trending in different territories to try to live up to what we claim yeah yeah and appease the masses and as always if there is something you want us to cover let us know we'll go over the contact info at the end of the episode absolutely let us know what you want what you need and we Mm. can get that to you more of us in your ears (laughs) whether that's a good thing or a bad thing i'll leave that up to you but it's always this week Right. I know, and I'm just looking. I, I did my notes eight days ago. I just realized that. We, yeah, we had, mine we had, just about a week ago now. Yeah, we we ran into some tech, uh, technical difficulties, yeah. and then life got busy. And so we apologize for being off a cycle, but if everything works out, this will drop when Justin's normal episode would have dropped. So we missed an episode, but we might have something to make up for that if you're patient and you're nice and so (laughs) if you care either way but this week we are uh covering my topic Mm -hmm. because i have i haven't seen this movie god probably i had to be real young this movie came out in 82 i was born in 83 um yeah so i had a lot of like refamiliarizing with it to do but um my topic this week if you couldn't tell by the title is uh creep show yeah the original movie not the show the, yeah not the show um i thought about you know diving in and covering the show but i i haven't talked to justin about that and i'm like i didn't know if i wanted to do creep show and then the show yeah but, i don't know uh, if we want to double dip on creep i definitely want to watch the show i think it's going to be yeah. on my birthday list because it's only like 13 bucks on blu-ray but right, I think I think I almost bought it when I was at uh, Best Buy. Huh. I had I had some TV show. Oh no, I had Castle Rock in my hands, and I was gonna buy that, but I was like, Castle Rock's good. What? I didn't. I, I only it. got through season one, but it was it wasn't bad. And that was the thing is I thought it was good too, but then I'm like, I could probably just like, is it Watch still it going? On Hulu? Did they ca- yeah, did they cancel it or is it still going? As far as I know, it's still going. I bet your because internet like, could I, tell you. 
I bet it could, but I'm also trying to minimize the clacking of my loud ass keyboard. Mm. Um, I just, I wasn't sure. And I, and then I kind of thought to myself, I'm like, well, I totally forgot it was on Hulu. Uh, but then I was like, uh, I'm sure that when it comes out, um, there will be like a complete season of it. Um, but it said, uh, as of September 10th, uh, 2020 Castle Rock has not been canceled or mm. renewed for a three season, the third season. So it's kind of in limbo. Yeah. Kind of in limbo. Like most things um, now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But let's go ahead and dive into the thing here. Yeah. So creep show is a 1982 American horror comedy anthology. Um, it's a film directed by George a Romero. Uh, and it was right and it was written by Stephen King making his, uh, this his film screenwriting debut so that's pretty huge yeah. now 1982 yeah. they'd been like oh this is Stephen King's first movie mm-hmm. um, make so, way for maximum overdrive <laughs> <laughs> oh man we've done uh, a lot of Stephen King I'm realizing yeah yeah I didn't yeah you're not wrong I mean, it's not um, on purpose, but it's just something no, I just now realized. When you have somebody, it's like it's like talking about like Wes Craven or yeah. John Carpenter or anything like that. You're like, it's just it's hard not to, you know, cross streams essentially, mm-hmm. being like, oh well, I covered this classic, just mm-hmm. so, you know. Um, but th- watching this movie, there's a lot of faces that I recognized, and then yeah. there's then you're like, uh, you read the cast, and you're like, oh. I didn't know that's what their name is. But the film's ensemble cast includes Hal Holbrook, Adrienne Barbeau, uh, Fritz Weaver, Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson, and E.G. Marshall, as well as Stephen King himself, in his also in his acting debut, um, actually came... Oh, no, wait. It said King's acting debut actually came a year prior in the Romero film Night Riders. Oh. Um, so, so this was, I would assume, his second... Yeah. The the film was primarily shot on location in Pittsburgh and its suburbs, uh, including Monroeville, where Romero leased an old boys' academy, Penn Hall, to build extensive sets for the film. Makes sense, man, because for the, I believe it's the third, third or fourth one, actually, one, two, three, uh, the fourth uh, story, it, it obviously takes place at a school, and so... That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, the film consists of five short stories. Uh, Father's Day, The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill, based on the King's short story Weeds, uh, Something to Tide You Over, The Crate, and They're Creeping Up on You. Two of these stories were adapted from King's short stories, with the film bookended by a prologue and epilogue scenes featuring a young boy named Billy, played by Stephen King's son, uh, Joe, Joe Hill, who is also a writer and Mm. did Nosferatu and other things, um, who is punished by his abusive father for reading horror comics. the film is an homage to the EC horror comics of the 1950s, such as Tales from the Crypt, The Vault of Horror, and The, and the Haunt of Fear. I'd love to get my hands on some of those. No, no um, in, in order to film the, um, In order for the film to give the viewers a comic book feel, Romero hired a long-term uh, effects specialist, Tom Savini, to replicate comic-like effects. And boy, did he ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Especially, I think the most comic-y would probably be Father's Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was, um, well, that, and then it would do a lot of, like, the zoom-in stills with the crazy red and blue lighting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it was pretty cool. So, the tagline for the movie is from the Masters of Terror and the Macabre. Uh, box office, um... Box office numbers for Creepshow um, was given a wide release by Warner Brothers on Wednesday, November 10th, 1982. In its opening weekend, Creepshow grossed $5.87 million from uh, 1,127 theaters, ranking number one at the U.S. box office, replacing First Blood Rambo, for those that mm. don't know, sure. in the top spot, um, and had a five-day total of $8 million um eight million three thousand and seventeen dollars um well i guess if we want to get technical my apologies it, the um opening gross was five million eight hundred and seventy thousand eight hundred and eighty nine dollars get it right brandon yeah uh, shut your lips um <laughs> in total it grossed twenty one million twenty eight thousand seven hundred fifty five dollars in the united states and canada making it the highest grossing film for the warner brothers studios that year that's it crazy. kind of makes me that would be the biggest w- bomb of the year nowadays. Maybe not this year, but like last <laughs> year. Right. Well, I think I want to say there was there was a movie that opened up in the summer. Oh my god, I, I I'm drawing a blank. I don't know if it's Host or something. I I want to say it was it was a horror. Yeah, I think it might be the Host. Hmm. The a horror movie filmed through Zoom like on zoom and it had such a minimal budget, but it got released and it made money. So it actually had, and I think they bought all the tickets for like a theater or something like that. And it gave it the title of the number one movie of the summer. (laughs) So they got, yeah. So, you know, good for them. Yeah. Um, so da, 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 Rotten Tomatoes gave the film a 73% approval rating based on 37 reviews. The average rating is 6.4 out of 10. The site consensus reads, It's uneven, as anthologies often are, but Creepshow is colorful, frequently funny, and it treats inspirations with infectious reverence. Robert, uh, Roger, Robert, uh, Roger Ebert gave the film three stars out of four and wrote, Romero and King have approached this movie with humor and affection, as well as with an appreciation of the macabre. In his review for the New York Times, Vincent Canby uh, wrote, The best things about Creepshow are its carefully simulated comic book tackiness and the gusto with which some of the actors assume silly positions. Um, horror film purists may object to the levity, even though failed, as a lot of it is. Gary... Uh, or film peers may object to the, okay i don't get uh, like i said that sentence i'm like that didn't make sense um gary arnold in his review for the washington post wrote what one confronts in creep show is five consistently stale derivative horror vignettes of various lengths and defects <laughs> um and there's a, a bunch more um Newsweek wrote, for anyone over 12, uh, there's not much pleasure to be had watching two masters of horror deliberately (laughs) deliberately working beneath themselves. Creepshow is a fa 
Naif um, horror film, too arc to be truly scary, um, too elemental to succeed as satire. In his um, in blah, 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 whatever, yeah. So the film has become a cult horror classic. Bravo awarded it the 99th spot on their 100 scariest movie moments, mostly for the scene with the cockroaches bursting out of Upson Pratt's body. I get that. (laughs) Um, The film was first released in 1983 on VHS and CED video disc. Um, In the United States, Warner Brothers released a one-disc set on October 26, 1999, with the only extra feature being the film's trailer, which is, that's a real letdown for you. Yeah, the, this uh, would be interesting to see some of the making uh-huh. of stuff and just see just how much cocaine Stephen King was on at the time. <laughs> yeah, who knows? He like this is this is really early, so he might not have hit those um, coke strides yet, like Maximum Overdrive. True, but who knows? Uh, I know that. There was a lot of coke involved with his uh, writing of books as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a two-disc... Uh, wait, hold on. Um, no other special features have ever been released with the Region 1 virgin- version. The Region 1 DVD was a two-sided disc, one side with the 1.851 transfer, what, which is widescreen, mm-hmm. uh, version of the film, and the other side was the full-screen version. A two-disc special edition DVD was released October 22nd, 2007 in the UK. Um, The disc features a brand new widescreen transfer of the film sourced from the original master and a making of documentary running 90 minutes called uh, titled Just Desserts, The Making of Creep Show. You said nine minutes? 90. Nine, okay. (laughs) Nine minutes, (laughs) that's boring. (laughs) That's a featurette. Yeah. Um... Behind-the-scenes footage, rare deleted scenes, galleries, a commentary track with uh, George A. Romero and uh, makeup effects artist Tom Savini and more, which that's, that sounds more like it. Mm-hmm. The, owner of, the owner of Red Shirt Pictures, Michael Felsher, is responsible for the special edition, the documentary, and audio commentary in particular. Uh, on September eighth, two thousand nine, the film was released on Blu-ray. Again, the only feature, the only special feature in the film, or is the film's trailer. Scream Factory re-released the film on Blu-ray with new special features on October twenty-third, two thousand eighteen. It took till two thousand eighteen to get a United States copy with special features. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's no Halloween. Like, it's not really a... I get it, but, like, <laughs> that that movie would be perfect for special features, in oh, my yeah. opinion. I, I'm too late. Like, I'm too impatient these days. I don't really sit down and watch the special features like I used to do with everything that came out like you still do. I only do it I, for certain things, and quite frankly, the only movies I buy anymore are, like, nerdy movies that I want to watch the special features on anyway. It's like, you know... Right. No, I, okay, I get that. Um, so, uh, Second Sight acquired the license to release a new Blu-ray in the United Kingdom. It contains all the special features included on the two, uh, special uh, two-disc edition, which was released in 2007. 
It also contains a new audio commentary with director of photography Michael Gornick, actor John Amplis, property master Bruce Allen Green, and uh, makeup effects assistant Daryl Ferrucci. Um, hold on here. I'm trying to copy this link here so then that way I can have it ready. We're, uh, next, we're going to talk about. Oh, are you kidding me? No, I'm not. So, <laughs> no, so um, I was trying to, because I, I copied the link, because instead of typing out all the fun facts like I used to, I just mm -hmm. put a link on there so I can click on it and it'll take me there. But, but it's not working? Yeah, it, when I tried to do that, it. Um, tried to bring up my access drive and all this shit and I'm like wait what I don't Google so that's why I just copy one. and paste the interesting ones and put it in my notes yeah uh, I didn't put that much time into it like I said I'm, I'm glad I finally got through the notes and all that kind of stuff with given how busy I've been True. Um, so we're gonna dive into the legacy the sequels and adaptations um, so for those that don't know we have um, we have merchandise that we sell for the show through T Public. Um, all the money for that goes into running the show, yeah, um, keeping the lights on. Yeah, essentially. And so, one of our logos that we have is based off of like a Creep Show comic book yeah. or uh, Tales from the Crypt comic book. Like it's that you know 1950s style comic book mm -hmm. that. Um, I'm not, I don't have the shirt on, but I got a sticker over here on my desk. Um, I'm very proud of that logo and how, uh, how it turned out. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I knew you'd fucking do it. <laughs> I was waiting for you to do it, but I didn't think you were going to give me any credit. I give, I give you all the credit the last time we talked about it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was then. Um, that was then. Give me credit now. Um, <laughs> we might have a new listener. They don't know. We, we might. We might. Um so the cover for the creep show comic book adaptation by jack cameron the film was adapted into an actual comic book by um of the same name soon after the film's released illustrated by bernie wrightson of heavy metal and warren magazine's fame and fittingly an artist fittingly influenced by the 1950s ec comics a sequel creep show 2 was released in 1987 and was once again based on Stephen King's short stories with um, a screenplay from Creepshow director George A. Romero. The film contained only three tales of horror due to budget constraints mm. as opposed to the original five stories. Was Another it sequel... ridiculously uh, short movie or...? Um, honestly, I'm not 100% sure. It was... Cause that's the thing. I I messaged you after I watched this. Like I know I've seen this movie because the cover is mm -hmm. always been burned in my mind, but I remembered yeah. nothing about it. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's the same thing with Creepshow Two. Creepshow Two is the one that I'm most familiar with, where it's um, the creep sitting in the movie theater pointing at the screen. Hmm. Um, so Creepshow Two has a runtime of. 92 minutes so not as long but it's pretty close yeah the well this um 
what was it? The original. Uh, I thought this one show. cracked two. Well, maybe I'm wrong. I think it did crack two hours. Yeah, I thought it, it cracked yeah. two hours, just barely. Yeah, the where's the goddamn runtime on it? It was um, I remember seeing it was like two hours and five minutes. I think was what it said on my yeah. when I was trying to like pause it <laughs> because yeah. I I can never sit down and watch a movie from start to finish anymore, unfortunately. That sucks. Um. Yeah, two hours and ten minutes. Creepshow 2 was an hour and a half. Creepshow 3 says an hour and 50. There is a Creepshow 3. Hmm. Um, I did not know that. So, um, another sequel, Creepshow 3, featuring no involvement from Stephen King, George A. Romero, or anyone else involved in the production of the first two films, was released direct-to-video in 2007 though it was finished in 2006, to mostly negative reviews. Sounds this, about right. Uh, this one, in a film, uh, similar fashion to the original Creep Show, features five short, darkly comedic horror uh, stories. Hmm. Taurus Entertainment's right holders for the original Creep Show license the rights to Jace Hall of HD Films, a Burbank, uh, California, California, California company. To, <laughs> Calif- California way? Uh, to produce Creepshow Raw, a web series based on the original film. The pilot episode for Creepshow Raw wrapped on July 30, 2008. The f- uh, pilot was directed by Wilmer Valderrama and hmm. features Michael Madsen. No sure. other episodes had been produced. Um, another Creepshow television series was announced in July 2018, which will be produced by Greg Nicotero, um, and stream on Shutter, which I'm saying if you don't have Shutter, it's so worth it. Um, each episode of the series will consist of two stories. Um, on July, on July, on January 16, 2019, it was announced that one of the show's segments of the pilot episode will be based on Stephen King's short story survivor type from his 1985 collection, Skeleton Crew. Adrian Barbeau will return in a new role, and Tobin Bell will also contribute a role. Nice. Uh, yeah, I knew you'd like that. On July 19, 2019, it was announced that the series will premiere on uh, September 26, 2019. So we're coming up on a year. Yeah. Um, on well, August season two is coming out soon, isn't it? Or isn't it already? It's, um, that's a good question. Um, I want to say that I thought that it was um, Creep Show Season 2 release date is October. Wait. After Season 1 received, but the Creep Show was officially taking place. It will. Okay. So that's weird because it said um, a continuation of the first two films. Uh, the series features six episodes with two horror stories per episode. The series premiered on... Um, oh, it was renewed. When will season two come out? Is what I'm... You know what? I honestly have no idea. But it, it was saying something about... Um, it had its dates all weird because it was... Um, I'll see if I can I'm gonna, find something. Yeah, I'm just... I'm, I'm actually in Shutter right now. So I'm just yeah. going to go and look and see... Man, they got some new movies on here. I um, I I gotta start Nosferatu season two. I haven't yet because the Creep Show two is on here, but Creep Show one, um, the movie is not. 
So there is only six episodes of the TV show. That's weird. Um, yeah, episode one, Gray Matter and and the House of the Head. This one looks kind of cool. Um, oh, they do. Okay. I'm on epguides.com and it says 12, but that has each one uh, mm-hmm. by itself. Yeah, I'm not, see- I'm not seeing anything about season two on here. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, Bad Wolf Down and The Finger. Episode three is All Hallows Eve and The Man in the Suitcase. Uh, God, that looks like some uh, scary stories. Uh, episode four is The Companion, uh, Lydia Lane's be- and Lydia Lane's Better Half. Uh, five is Night of the Paw and Tough Times or Times is Tough in uh, Musky Holler. Uh, and then episode six is Skin Crawlers and By the Sil- Silver Water of Lake, by the Silver Water of Lake Ch- uh, Champlain. Yeah, there's only one season. Uh, the pictures look really cool about the episode, so I, I got to get into that. But yeah, season two should be coming. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought I'd heard that it was renewed, but um, on August 3rd, 2019, Universal Parks and Resorts announced that Creepshow would be coming to Halloween Horror Nights exclusively at Universal Studios Hollywood theme park. The maze featured three segments from the 1982 movie as well as two others from a newly made web version for Shudder. That would be fun, man. If there was a way, like if this if this show was wildly successful and it could count for, like we could figure out something to do with that, that'd be a fun thing to do would be going to a Halloween Horror Nights like on YouTube or something. Oh, well, definitely. Well, they were doing it when I was in Orlando several years ago. Right. But they were out of tickets, so we couldn't go. Oh. All right, so let's dive into some fun facts. While he was all business in his scenes, Leslie Nielsen had a fart machine in his pocket during shooting. He would let it go off. (laughs) He would let it go off during rehearsals and just before director would call action, causing Ted Danson and the crew to crack up with uh, laughter. (laughs) Um, During a fan expo in 2015, or during a fan expo Canada 2015, um, Romero had said that the cockroaches were the most expensive part of the movie, stating that um, the, the cockroaches costed 50 cents a piece. And hmm. um, they use more than 250,000 of them. Hmm. A grand total of one... Uh, 125,000? Uh, yeah, on, on just roaches alone. That's crazy. Um, Warner Brothers tried a very unusual strategy release with the film, surprise. Instead of opening the film wide during the lucrative summer season, the studio gave it a four-week trial run at several Boston-area theaters in July of uh, 82. After it did great business, Warner Brothers ended the trial and prepared for a wider release in November of 82. Their thinking was that the bizarre R-rated horror film's best position was close, as close as possible to Halloween and that a pre-October 31st release was a non-starter because it would have to compete with Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which also came out in 1982. But Warner Brothers um, forecast correctly that the Michael, uh, the Michael Myers-less third Halloween movie would burn out quickly and leave the horror field open for this movie to do impressive business, which it did. So that guy was in two horror movies in one year, then. Tom Atkins? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I saw oh, yeah. I didn't know, remember the name, but as soon as I saw I was like, oh, it's fucking that guy. Oh, it's that fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. Um... 
Ted Danson, who played Harry Wentworth in Something to Tide You Over, said in a television interview that his daughter was on set during the scene where his character returns from the dead encased in rotting flesh and seaweed. He purposely tried avoiding his young daughter out of fear of scarring her. Finally, despite his best efforts, she went up to him, looked at him, and, um, and simply said, Oh, hi, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my kid. Um yeah. During a break in filming, Stephen King took his son to a McDonald's, and as a joke, uh, Joe was made up with bruises, cuts, and scabs. Uh, the girl in the drive-thru window called the police when she saw him. That sounds about right. Yep. Uh, Rice Krispies were used as maggots on the corpse's eyes in the first story, Father's Day. In addition, real maggots were also utilized. Hmm. Um, the music playing on Ups and Pratt's jukebox at the beginning of They're Creeping Up on You is the same instrumental that plays over the ending credits of The Evil Dead in 81. Hmm. Um, Stephen King had an allergic reaction to the makeup he had to wear for Jordy Verrill's transformation. He was subjected to shots and medications so the work would be bearable. Look at you just doing what you got to do to get through. I guess. Uh, um, so the marble ashtray, which plays a, a major role in Father's Day, is featured in all five of the film segments, if you look closely. Hmm. Uh, Father's Day, obvious, shown to the viewers multiple times. Um, two, the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill, uh, next to the cash box at the Department of Meteors. <laughs> uh, and three, on the nightstand uh, next to Richard's bed. Uh, Episode four or uh, number four was on the writing desk when Henry writes the letter to Wilma, and then number five, the soap dish when Ups and Pratt uh, is washing his hands, hmm. and then six, the wraparound story was on Billy's desk when he starts stabbing the voodoo doll. Um, King was told to play Jordy like Wiley E. Coyote, the way um, the way he looks when he goes off a cliff. I'd say he captured that pretty well, then. Yeah, yes, he did. Um, in, in a creep show special feature from the pages of Cine, uh, Cine Fantastique magazine around the time of the movie's released, uh, King and Romero revealed that if the film's final story, They're Creeping Up On You, had proven to be too difficult and ambitious to the film, it would have been substituted with, the, uh, with King's story, The Hitchhiker, which ended up being the final story of... Uh, Creepshow 2, directed by um, Romero's cinematographer of this movie, Michael Gornick. Um, the only film by George A. Romero to open up number one at the box office uh, at the weekend box office. That's sad. Yeah, the onset nickname for the monster in the crate in the movie's fourth story was Fluffy, as named by George A. Romero. The creature, uh, the creature's creature. And makeup artist and the for the entire film Tom Savini, uh, excuse me, was the short uh, garbage man featured uh, near the movie's ending, which I I recognize that because he's the one who picked the comic book off the ground. Yeah, as soon as I saw, I was like, oh hey, it's Tom. Hey, it's Sex Machine. Um, <laughs> in da, 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 in uh, Stephen King's original script for the film, the final story they're creeping up on you, originally took place in a lush carpeted penthouse apartment. However, because of the roaches, uh, with roaches, they would have uh, been unworkable. Romero opted for an emptier, almost hospital-like room setting for the story. 
Um, according to Tom Savini, when Fluffy breaks out of the crate, once it dumped, um, once it's dumped in the water, the remains of Billy, um, Adrian Barbo's character, were supposed to float out of the crate. However, that was deleted. Um, Stephen King carried a toy figure of the character Greedo from Star Wars on the Creep Show set for good luck. Um, the crew, uh, the crew was also the crew for Sleepaway Camp for in 1983. Um, the only film, the only George A. Romero film where he didn't write the screenplay. Interesting. Um, Stephen King and George A. Romero were good friends and always wanted to work together. This was their opportunity and they took it. Um... It was rumored that Max von Sydow was originally stated to play Upson Pratt. Um, that would have been interesting. Um, I'll, I'll read two more here. Um, one, in a possible homage to uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, set in Antarctica, the crate discovered in the third segment has shipped to Julie Carpenter from Arctic Expedition. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, um... Let's see here. A sign to a sign leading to Castle Rock, Stephen King's uh, trademark ficti- uh, fictitious fictitious town, appeared at the end of the segment. Um, the Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill, among yeah, other yeah, I signs. saw that one. That was pretty. Yeah. that was a nice touch. I hated that segment, and we'll get to that later. But when I saw that <laughs> sign, I was like, "Oh, that's that's clever." Yeah. Um, what was it? Uh, so I guess Adrian Barbeau was still married to John Carpenter when Creepshow was released. Carpenter made a film, or Carpenter made the film version of Stephen King's Christine in 1983. King wrote and makes an appearance in this movie. Additionally, uh, Hal Holbrook and Tom Atkins, who starred in this film, co-starred in The Fog with Adrian, and which John Carpenter directed. Um, so there's there's a there's some more. Um, the world's log, uh, largest collection of original creep show memorabilia belongs to the creep show mu- uh, museum, and is located on Facebook and is in Lu- um, is in Lu- in Louisiana. Hmm. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I wouldn't think there'd be a creep show museum, but right. Everything has its hmm. followers, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. I'd love to go to some of those. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll call it there and we'll, we'll dive into the rest. Um, good. any, anything that you saw or wanted to talk about before we dive into the movies? Nope. I'm good to go. All right. So as stated, the movie starts out with, um, the prologue or an epilogue and prologue. Mm -hmm. So it start, it starts out with, uh, young Billy, Trying to read horror comic books. His dad is not about it. He's just a real, real dick Richards about it. He, you know, takes it, goes to throw it away. Son's super upset. And yeah. that was one of the things that I forgot. Um, I thought I had, had it written down. Was um, the scene in which Tom Atkins, the dad, smacks Billy across the face before... His face is already painted red before it actually smacks. It was one of the goofs. Wow. <laughs> um, but so I, I love the way the movie starts out with the Halloween vibes and the music and the pumpkin. It kind of almost felt like Halloween. 
It did, it really did. And I wasn't sure if that, I assumed it was on purpose, right. but I wasn't sure if it was trying to mock it or homage it. I would assume it would have to be, it would, I don't know, I would assume it would be an homage. I mean, they homaged um, The Thing, and yeah. The Thing is considered a classic, but it's, you know, not many things um, surpass Halloween. Yeah. At least in my opinion. Um, so, the sun... Sun read trash... Oh, sun reads... I accidentally wrote ready. Uh, sun reads trash comics, but dad has nudies in his dresser. I <laughs> thought that was hilarious, because he's like, you're, you're going to get mad at me for reading this comic book, but you got you got pornos in your dresser. You, you, you goddamn snoop. I'm older, so it's fine. Right. And then, the thing that uh, I kind of... is This might come into play later but mm -hmm. when he uh when billy he kind of does a flip on it, he's like i'm sorry daddy like he's just yelling and screaming at him but then he's like watching it for the first time and not remembering well not for the first time but watching it after so long and then not remembering a lot of this movie yeah like i mean essentially like after that when the dad would leave he would go and do the voodoo doll but when I was taking the notes, I didn't know that. So it kind of seemed really cheesy when he's like, I'm sorry, Daddy. What? Well, yeah, then, I, well, it seemed to me like, I mean, he was super pissed, but I didn't really think about it wrapping around at the end. I hoped it would, but I didn't same, know same. if it would. Right, because it would just stop right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the, <laughs> the funny thing about it, when he goes downstairs and this line made me laugh because he's like that's why god made fathers <laughs> to be assholes like, yeah apparently um that explains so, you a lot that's why you're such a me? jerk to me yeah oh uh, that's why you're such what? a jerk to me all the time it's because you instigate it and then play victim uh-huh see he just did oh. it right there <laughs> who started it you started it you know. fucking bully uh, i don't know the world will never know um so th then it, it switches over not yet so the creepy kid with the ghoul um so he's sitting on his bed and he sees the ghoul outside of his window mm -hmm. and then um you know they both smile at each other and then it turns into the animated intro which i thought was awesome i, loved yeah, the I loved it i movie. wasn't expecting it but it was nice, especially for the 80s, because comics, especially then, were still considered kid stuff and corny and hokey, and they kind of were. Yeah. To play into that was... I enjoyed it quite a bit. I did as well. And so, we dive into the story, the first one, uh, Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Like, I didn't realize that Ed Harris was in this movie, and a real young Ed Harris. Yeah, young like, but Ed still Har old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, like, Ed Harris has, like, a lot of these guys in here. Like, I would even say, like, you know, Ted Danson's a big name. Mm-hmm. And Ed Harris, like, I don't know, Ted Danson did a bunch of stuff, but he's mostly remembered for, like, TV, I feel. You know, yeah. you know, Sam on Cheers and stuff like that. But Becker. Ed Harris, yeah, Becker. Uh, Ed Harris is a great actor. Like I love him in, in that movie, The Rock, 
with yeah. Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. Like, like the dude's got a career, but like he's not he's not one of those actors you normally think about. Like, oh man, we should go see that new Ed Harris movie that's coming out, you know, next week. Yeah, it's or, always one of those things where it's like, oh shit, he's in this too. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, my the funny thing about this movie is it's like. People who are rich have an accent, right? <laughs> so it's not like, you know, you have accents from being from the South or from being, you know, the, the East Coast or the West Coast or wherever you're from. It's the snobby um, accent. Yeah, where they talk like this and... Indeed. You know, where's, yeah, where, yeah, you do it better than I do because you're Where snob. is my crystal glass? Oh... <laughs> Where's my cake? But yeah, like the the mother, she's just, oh poor Ed Harris, blah 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 blah. Like, Where's my champagne? Like, my champagne. <laughs> um, and so, it goes into the story a little bit. You know, the the dad, he's you know, where's my cake? And like, this real this demanding is prob- dickhead yeah, of this, a guy. This is probably the cheesiest one of the three for me, but. I don't know. I don't think I, it, it's it's. My cheesiest I, comes later, but it it set a tone that the rest of them, and that's something I didn't really think to say earlier, is that it's sort of a mixed bag of tone and mm-hmm. quality. Right. Like when I watched this first one, I was like, okay, so it's just gonna be a doofy romp, and everything's gonna be sort of wacky. But then you go yeah. on later to like the Ted Danson one, and that was super serious. Oh, that dude! That that might be my favorite segment, dude. That was Definitely. dark. Yeah, that and was it's like this dark. Especially Leslie Nielsen is like, I didn't expect this from this movie. I didn't either, man. And that's that that going all the way back to '82 with like how, you know, Chris Rock and you know very successfully with Jordan Peele, like getting their like being known known for their comedy, but yeah. then you know, crossing over into the horror world and, you know, it being seamless. Like, Leslie, the same with Robin Williams. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, like, fucking Leslie Nielsen pulled off a real fucking sinister vibe in this movie, man. Yeah, I mean, we can get yeah. into it more when we get to that segment, but it was definitely yeah. a shock. Um, and so we end up finding out that Cordelia, uh, Cordelia killed dear old daddy. Um and so the the whole point like the, of this story is like every year on Father's Day Cordelia will come out to the house and it's the only time of the year she comes um, she'll go out and visit the um, the headstone and mm-hmm. they say meditate but she always takes a bottle and um, kind of hangs rich out. Rich people's meditate. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and honestly, I thought that I wrote down. A breakdown of each segment, but I, I guess I didn't. You um, did. I'm reading it right yeah. now. Wait, I did notes, yeah. I, like for them, but I didn't like see like this right here. So, Father's Day, the first story, Father's Day is an original story written by Stephen King, where Nathan, where Nathan um, Grantham, um, whose family made a fortune through bootlegging fraud, blah, 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 is killed on Father's Day by his long-suffering spinster uh, daughter, Cordelia. And here it says Bedelia. So maybe it is Bedelia. 
mm. was um, was already unstable as a result of a lifetime spent putting up with her father's incessant demands and emotional abuse, which culminated in his orchestrating the murder of her sweetheart, Yarbrough. So the the sequence begins in 1979 when the remainder of the descendants, including the granddaughter Sylvia and his great-grandchildren Richard Cass and Cass's husband Hank, they get together for their annual dinner on the third Sunday in June. When Bedelia arrives and stops in the cemetery outside the family house to lay a flower on the gravesite, then uh, there she drunkenly reminisces about how she murdered her overbearing father. Uh, she accidentally spills the whiskey on the front of the headstone, uh, Natron's putrefied maggot-infested corpse emerged from the. Um... Maisie, back inside, babe. I know. Go inside. I'm I'm recording, honey. I love you. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, cameo. Yeah, yeah, cameo. It's been a while since she had made an appearance. Um, yeah. And so, um, what was it? Uh, Nathan. Putrefied, maggot-infested corpse emerges from the burial plot in the form of a revenant who comes back to claim the Father's Day cake he never got. <laughs> um, Grantham's, uh, Nathan slowly avenges himself um, and the rest of the, scam of the scheming heirs, killing them off one by one, finally attaining his Father's Day cake, topped with Sylvia's severed head. Yeah. Um, while the ending is left amb ambiguous in the film, with Nathan gloating over a terrified cast and Richard in freeze time, uh, the comic book based on the film gives a vague hint um, that Nathan's next act was to blow out their candles, <laughs> which would have been Sounds a nice touch. Right. Um, and so with, uh, but the things about this here, hold on, I lost my space. There we are. Um, some things to touch on. So one of the things that, oh, that cracked me up was the bad eighties dancing. And, it reminded me of Final... Uh, Final... God. That's what I get for writing... That's what I get for writing F-13. But Friday the 13th, Part 4, yeah. where with, like, Crispin Glover and them, where they're dancing in the house. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of dancing in, in, the, in, the, in those uh, movies, but... Yeah, it's horrible. And yeah, then... Yeah, it was um, that footloose, dirty dancing era where you just had to have random stupid dancing for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Um... And then, da, 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 so Hank ends up going for a walk, stumbles on, uh, stumbles into the grave, and gets headstoned, which... Very, very slowly. <laughs> yeah. I'd been like, just roll out of the friggin' ground. Um, and then, you know, they start dying off one by one, and then, like I said, he gets his cake. I was thinking that uh, Hank was going to survive, because he wasn't part of the horrible family that was no, glad that the grandpa died. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, he just he was just kind of there. Yeah. It kind of felt kind of felt like ready or not where he's like he's like what am I getting myself into with these fucking rich people? Yeah. Um so that's Father's Day in a nutshell. Mhm. Mm we do have four uh, more of these to cover. Oh yeah, we're we're not doing too bad. Um any anything on that? No, I'm good. All right, so the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. This section of the film is based on uh, Stephen King's short story, Weeds, where um, 
Jordy, played by King himself, is a dim-witted backwoods yokel that thinks a meteor uh, thinks that a meteorite landing near his farm will provide enough money for the local colleges to pay off his two hundred dollar bank loan. <laughs> a meteor, as the meteor was too hot to touch, he douses it with water, causing it to crack open and spit out a glowing blue substance that comes in contact with his skin before soaking into the earth. He then finds himself being overcome by a rapid, rapidly seeding plant-like organism that starts to grow on Jordy himself, and then the house and everything that he has touched. So, in a panic, he pours vodka, a bottle of vodka, um, and falls asleep in a drunken stupor. Um... By the next morning, Jordy and the farm have been completely covered with dense layers of vegetation um, of the oh, dense layers of the alien veg- vegetation. And Despair, he reaches for a shotgun and blows the top of his head off, thusly like killing himself. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, and then a weather forecast announces that heavy rains are predicted. The implica- uh, implication being that this will accelerate the spread of the extraterrestrial plant growth to surrounding areas. Um, so things that about this that kind of cracked me up is that like yeah he's not smart um the blisters that he got on his fingers where he touched it mm-hmm. were they, those were kind of gross looking they're like just yeah. these big white blobs um so the funny thing about it because he he throws water on it splits in half he's like oh, i won't be able to sell, uh, sell it now he thinks that he'll glue it back together that um, fixes everything yeah it does See the funny th- and the funny thing about the goop, so the goop was blue, mm-hmm. but the meteor was uh, was glowing green. Right, and it grows plants, of course, because that's right. Yeah. It does. It all makes um, sense. So yeah, Stephen King and uh, his attempts to be dim-witted, um, he spent a lot of time, a lot of that time in that he was cross-eyed. Mm-hmm. Um, he. Oh, that's what this is actually a, one of the shorter ones. Um, Thankfully, yeah. Well, and that was the thing too because I was watching this and I'm like, well, shit, man. Um, the first two segments are really quick. Yeah. They go through, and I I got done with like the first two or three segments, and I'm like, well, shit, man, we're only thirty minutes into the movie. Yeah, that's what I I, I looked at that too, and I was like, wow, this is gonna be really fast, and then the third or fourth one hit, and I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, here we go. This is where the rest of the movie takes place. Right. Not that I'm complaining, because I hated this segment. He was so daffy and dumb, and it was just... I mean, (laughs) I know the first one was over the top, but this was just like... It was a bit much, and all his little uh, fantasies about what would happen. (laughs) It was just... Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, so yeah, like we stated in the, the synopsis there, um, he did, he, he did take a pitcher of orange juice and pour a bottle of vodka in there. That was probably my favorite part of that segment. Cause that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, he completely grew over and shot himself. My favorite part is the ending where it shows what you were talking about with the rain and the idea that it'll take over the earth. It was like, okay, that's. An unsettling idea that actually makes this creepy. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just some stupid jackass who gets consumed by plants. <laughs> yeah. Like Joe Dirt. So at least he didn't put it in a fucking a wagon and pull it down to, <laughs> to 
down to the to like actually take it down to the college. Um, That's a so, deleted scene. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> uh, so the um, the second, or the, I'm sorry, that was the second. The third one is something to tide you over, mm-hmm. which is a, a Justin style pun if I've ever heard it. <laughs> So, uh, Richard Vickers is a, a vicious, wealthy, and ruthless man whose spry jocularity uh, belies his cold-blooded murderousness, stages a terrible fate for his unfaithful wife, Becky, and her lover, Harry, um, by, separating, by separately luring them out to his secluded beach property and then, at gunpoint, bearing them up to their necks below the high tide line. He explains that they have the um, that they have a chance for survival if they can hold their breath long enough for the sand to loosen. Uh, once the seawater covers them, they could break free and escape. Um, in theory. In theory, <laughs> you think it would actually be opposite. Um, so Vickers set up a, a closed circuit TV camera so he can watch them die from the comfort of his well-appointed beach house. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking directly into the camera, Harry vows vengeance. The next day, Richard returns to the spot where he buried Harry and finds that the ruin uh, finds the ruined tripod camera or camera tripod, but no sign of Harry's corpse. Later, the two lovers return as a pair of waterlogged, seaweed-covered revenants intent on revenge. Uh, Richard attempts to barricade himself in the bath in his uh, bathroom, but they appear inside. He tries to shoot them, but the bullets have no effect. The couple tell Richard that they intend to do the same to him. Um, uh, they intend to do the same to him what he did to them. Richard uh, finds himself buried uh, in the beach, facing the approaching tide and the sight of the two the sight of two sets of footprints di- disappearing into the surf. While the tide is rising, he laughs hysterically and screams, I can hold my breath for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, this one was definitely my favorite segment, hands down. Which, yeah, me too. I mean, not to spoil our, our special segment for our scorecard, but yeah. yeah, this one was my was my favorite. It's just dark. It is. It's so well written. I didn't quite catch why he was doing it in the first place. So I'm glad that that was covered there, because I completely... I thought it was money or something. Right. I, I well, never I kinda, picked up what it was that they did. Right. And that... Well, I picked up that he was cheating on... Or he was sleeping with his wife, and that's... They talk... I believe they talk about it. Um, I'm sure they so, did, and I just blanked for a second. But I, it was... You know, like we said earlier, seeing Leslie Nielsen be so dark and creepy... And Ted Danson's always good. I mean, yeah, he is a good actor. Yeah. Um. So, and that's kind of the reason why I'm reading the individual, like summaries of each of the short stories. So then that way, um, it covers it, and then we don't have to go in as a depth on the notes because basically that's what the notes are. Yeah. Um. So I, I wrote down that Ted Danson was sleeping with his wife. Um, my thought process on this is I would rather be shot. Like oh, if you yeah. tell me, you tell me to bury myself in the sand. I say fuck you and shoot me. Well, um, I also wonder how far he buried himself before Leslie Nielsen would have had to have taken over. Because when he was like bury yourself, I was like, okay, well, there's only so far he can go, and then the next scene he's buried up to his neck. Yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was not expecting that. 
Yeah, I kind of feel like if I was being buried alive, or if I was being buried to the point to where I couldn't do it myself anymore, I would try to like move my, like wiggle my arms as close to my chest as I possibly can. Yeah. <laughs> like just as he's like packing the sand down, but you just keep moving your arms up a little bit by little bit, and <laughs> like yeah. once he can't see him anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he does have a really nice house for 1982's like wealthy standards mm -hmm. um uh with the closed circuit you know tv set up and being able to watch everything going on so he is watching from his house um the camera does go to uh, harry and he's like i'm gonna get you richard and blah 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 and then um one of the things i thought was funny about this is he uh, so Leslie Nielsen's character is in the shower when yeah. they come into his house and it looks like he kind of shut he kind of cut the shower short mm. because he was like something weirds going on but with as long as it took for uh, Becky and Harry to walk through the house back to where the bathroom was he could have just finished his shower <laughs> I know like he could have done an, an extra rinse nice shampoo yeah. Really cleanse. Not that it would have mattered because he'd be covered in sand later on, but right. at least enjoy your final moments. <laughs> and then, yeah, if you can hold your breath, he gets buried in the he gets buried in the sand. And I didn't notice the footprints, the two sets of footprints going off into the distance either. I noticed them, but I didn't really pay attention to whether they were walking away from him or back into the water. Yeah. I wasn't really sure, and I thought that it might have been their footprints from when they left in the first place. True. Like, to get yeah. to this house. But it also seemed, I mean, they can teleport, too. Because he yeah. closes the bathroom door, and then they appear right behind him. Yeah. Which, it's like, if you could do that, why didn't you just do that from the beginning? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not scary. There's no buildup if you don't do it that way. I don't know. I think uh, they could have teleported into the shower, or outside the shower, and then away... <laughs> and then back into the living room, then away. Like, really screwed yeah. with him a bit. Just kind of toy with him a little bit. Yeah. And so that's uh, that's the end of that segment. And then from there, we go into probably the longest segment. Or at least it felt like it was the longest, in my opinion. Yeah, it drug on a bit. Yeah, so the uh, fourth one is called The Crate. And it is based on... The short story, The Crate. <laughs> oh, um, a, college gen a college janitor, Mike, he drops a quarter and uh, finds a wooden storage crate uh, marked Arctic Expedition, June 19th, 1834, hidden under a staircase. He notifies Dexter Stanley, a college professor of the find. The two decide to open the crate, and it is found to contain a multi-fanged ape-like creature, Daryl Ferrucci, um, which... Despite its diminutive size, promptly uh, promptly kills and entirely devours Mike, leaving behind only his boot. Escaping, Stanley runs into a graduate student, uh, student Charlie uh, Garrison, who is skeptical and investigates. the uh, The crate is moved back under the stairs, and Garrison is killed by the creature as he examines. Stanley f uh, flees to inform his friend and college and college colleague at the university, the mild-mannered Professor Henry Northrup. 
Stanley, now traumatized and hysterical, babbles to Northrop that the monster must be disposed of somehow. Northrop sees the creature as a way uh, to rid himself of his perpetually drunk, obnoxious, and emotionally abusive wife, Wilma, who everyone calls Billy. Um, For some reason. Yeah, whom he often daydreams of killing. He contrives a scheme to lure her to lure her near the crate, where the beast does indeed maul and eat her. Northrup secures the beast back inside the crate, then drops it into a nearby lake, which I thought was the quarry, um, mm-hmm. where it sinks to the bottom. He returns to assure Stanley that the creature is no more. However, it is subsequently revealed to the audience that the beast has escaped from its crate. Oh no! With glowing <laughs> eyes piercing at you. <laughs> Let me double check because I don't know if I wrote this down. Um, da, 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 box office because it it was given a wide release in November, but I'm trying to look and see why because it says the, the oh it it was a uh, it debuted at the Cannes Film Festival uh, on my birthday a year before I was born May sixteenth nineteen eighty two. Huh. Um, yeah, budget eight million, box office twenty one. Oh yeah, so the budget did I did I say that the budget was actually eight million? I don't to make remember. it. Oh uh, no, so it, yeah, it made twenty one million dollars off of an eight million dollar budget, which isn't bad. Hmm. That's still a high budget for this movie, but um, well, without so many segments to produce. Yeah, well, yeah, there's five of them. Um. And so the things that I wrote down, yeah, Billy is is drunk, loud, and obnoxious as shit. Um, yeah, and I would, she's the the character in I think the whole movie that you want to die the most. Mm-hmm. Because she's just yeah. horrible from second one. Yeah. Um, my my takeaways from this really. Uh, it's kind of funny because the professor thinks that the craze is full of old Reader's Digest or mm-hmm. National Geographic's. Reader's Digest is not a name that I've heard in a long, you know, for a long time. <laughs> it's an old movie. Uh, it was a big deal in the eighties. <laughs> um, how Henry fantasizes about shooting his wife in the head, and then everyone claps. That, that was, was hilarious. Awesome. Um, so they open the crate. It sounds like a monkey. I would have closed it back up right away. Um, the janitor sticks his arm in. That was dumb. Uh, gets pulled. Yeah, in I know. The crate. It's it's snarling and moving and shit. Like, what do you think yep. is gonna happen? Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as um, he was like, he was uh, Henry was going back to the school, and like, I was like, oh man, he's gonna lure his wife there to get killed. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they. They do. They they lure. She dies. They lock the crate back up. It does. They, it is a quarry, and then, you know, it breaks out in the cheesiest way possible, where you just see its eyes, mm-hmm. even though even though it's underwater. Well, yeah. Well, it's like, <laughs> it, it it's like it's superimposed over it. Like you're seeing the still calm waters, but then the eyes are like put uh, into the yeah, foreground yeah. of the shot, so it's not really <laughs> like you're looking at his eyes directly. Mm-hmm. Right, it's like, and so like when evil looms in the moon. Oh yeah, of old I got cartoons, you. Like. <laughs> Just kind of looks at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. So that is really the crate summed up. Like, yeah. 
It, I mean, it was a fun one? segment, but it was too long. It was. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, it. You know what? That you know, since everybody knows what our fa- what our favorite segment is. Yeah. Um, if you want to keep it like. We've been talking about these, so we should have a, be pretty refreshed on them. Mm-hmm. I I think that at the end, instead of giving our favorite segment, we'll just rank them. Just a real Fair quick. Enough. We don't have to explain why. We'll just do a quick ranking and say which ones are favorites to our least. Okay. The last and final segment is they're creeping up on you. Um, Upson Pratt is a cruel, ruthless businessman whose miso- misophobia has him living in a hermetically sealed apartment outfitted with electronic lo- or electric locks oops electric locks uh, and surveillance cameras his apparent contacts with the outside world are through the telephone where people call to denounce Pratt for ruining their families and Mr. White a put upon employee who is made to run errands during a thunderstorm Mr. Pratt finds his flat being overrun by hordes of cockroaches and a rolling blackout heads his way as the situation rapidly becomes worse he locks himself inside of a panic room only to find that the cockroaches have already infested infested the room as well with no way to escape he is swarmed by the roaches which induces a fatal heart attack later as the electricity returns to the building pratt's corpse is shown in the panic room now devoid of roaches however Pratt's body soon begins to contort as roaches burst from his mouth and body, re-enveloping the panic room. Uh, Mr. White calls in to report but gets no answer. He then says to himself, What is the matter, Mr. Pratt? Bugs got your tongue? <laughs> and they do. <laughs> Boy, do they ever. How? I, the bugs out the mouth, it was gross, but the bursting out of the chest, I did not see coming. I didn't either. I'm oh. like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, th- this one right here, there's not a whole lot to talk about, man. He's, he's just, an yeah, old that pretty much covered asshole. everything. Yeah. He's an, he's an old germaphobe asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, cockroaches get in there. He sprays everything. He's got like that suction style, um, like garbage disposal type thing <laughs> where, yeah. and then, um, so yeah, there's roaches everywhere in the food. Like as soon as he put all that food in the blender and mixed it up and then you, he pulled it out and you saw I'm like, oh, there's roaches in there. I fucking know it, man, because, <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, it's more yeah. protein. Yeah. I like um, the way that it built. Uh, you know, you see the one roach, and he kills it, and then you see it again, he super kills it, and then you see more and more and more to the point where he gets into his panic room, and they flood in everywhere. Like, right. I feel like it's something that's been parodied or done before or afterwards i would imagine since this was made in the 80s like yeah. i've seen it somewhere else mm-hmm. but i actually really liked this one as far as creepy factor yeah like it's it's probably second best as far as actually being disturbing and scary yeah 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 it um i didn't have a whole lot to write down though that um I did write down, it did look like there were roaches in that food processor. It was gross. <laughs> I see. Um, yeah, there, I that hope not, real... but you never know. And so, um, that really does cover that segment, man. There's not a whole lot to it. It's a small set. It takes place in... in One room, basically. 
one room with a visible panic room and the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go from that to... So the prologue was a young boy named Billy gets disciplined by his father, Stan, for reading a horror comic titled Creep Show. After mm-hmm. swiping the comic from Billy and throwing it in the garbage, Stan reminds his wife that he has to be hard on Billy because he does not want their son to be reading it, calling it horror crap. As Billy sits upstairs wishing that his father rots in hell, he hears a sound at the window. The source of the nose turns out to, turns out to be the creep, the host of the comic book, beckoning uh, him to come closer. So the epilogue, the following morning, two garbage men collectors find the Creep Show comic book in the trash. They look at the ads in the book for X-ray specs and a Charlie Atlas bodybuilding course. They also see an advertisement for a voodoo doll, but lament that the order form has already been been redeemed. Inside the house, Stan complains of neck pain, which... Uh, escalates and becomes deadly as Billy repeatedly and gleefully jabs the voodoo doll, causing his father to clutch his throat in pain as Billy gets his revenge on his father for his past abuse. So, I gotta say, as a comic book fan who was not necessarily made fun of for liking this stuff, but, you know, it's never been, like, highly regarded not, until recently. It's not... Growing up... Because we're in our 30s. Yeah. Growing up and being fans of things that are nerdy, it, uh, comic books and stuff like that, it's not as widely accepted then yeah. as, as it is now. You know, modern, like with the, like the, the success of the MCU and, you know, making all these comic book movies to where... And Arrow you know, and The Flash and I mean, it's just everywhere TV, now. On t- on, yeah, exactly. On TV, like... It's become so mainstream that, you know, everybody, you know, being a geek is easy now (laughs) compared to what it was like. Like, I I remember when I was a kid and showing my friends my room and I'd be a little bit embarrassed. But now, I mean, you've seen my office. It's insane and it gets crazier like every week. (laughs) You gotta stop buying toys, man. No. So no, yeah, exactly no. I know, dude. I'm. I'm. I thought I got an email saying I told you I got my um, my carbonized uh, Boba Fett. Um, yeah, yeah. You showed me the picture of that. And then I'm just waiting for my um, my ultimate um, Ghostface NECA to come in the mail. I pre-ordered it. I just got to wait for it to get here. Have you pre-ordered that- the uh, Beskar Mando yet? No, I got your link. I'm probably going to do it, but I already have a... Well, no, it's a different one. Because, see, I have Mando, I have the carbonized Mando, and if I get the Beskar, then, I'll, yeah, I'll have all three. I'll, I'll do that when I get off the phone with you. Yeah. Uh, here we are talking about the Mandalorian on Pod and Gore. Which, hey, the new season does come out in October, which is the same October th- month October as 30th. Halloween. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like, hey, what are you guys going to cover for Halloween this year? Uh, the fucking Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> There's aliens and monsters. It's, you know, it's yeah, close. People have, asked, people have asked what we want to do for Patreon. That, that's what we'll do. <laughs> We're like, we'll cover things. <laughs> cover, we'll cover something things that has that, nothing to do with horror. You'd be like, yeah, cover fucking golden girls i would do it but you know what i mean like that's not a terrible idea because we talk horror non-stop that's what this show is so if you want to hear us geek out about something that isn't horror like one of the millions of things that are in my office 
I'd do that. <laughs> yeah, that we'll, we'll we'll dive into that a little bit more. I didn't expect that to to yield. Um, so know. yeah, that yeah that basically covers Creep Show, man. Uh, mm-hmm. My only takeaway from the epilogue is I like I don't. I don't desire to be a garbage man, but I definitely would kill to find a creep show comic book just laying around. Yeah. I can keep it. Oh yeah, so would I. Well I um, like the idea of one of those ads, given that the comic is probably somewhat haunted, that it you actually get a working like I think if you got the X ray specs they would work and you would see inside someone's body and it'd be that super would gross. Be super, that would be super cool. Kinda like the Wishmaster. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen those? I've heard of it. Okay, so um, the Wishmaster is a gin. Um, you wish for something; it's taken super literal. <laughs> um, so it's like I the monkey's I, paw in The Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, so I remember, and I, I don't remember which which uh, Wishmaster it was. But um, a few of the deaths in that movie, because it's like this guy's in prison. He's like, I wish I could just walk through these bars. Wrong choice of wording there, buddy, because, yeah, he walks through those bars. Um, another one was uh, this guy is stuck in jail. Also, um, his lawyer's not doing anything to get him out. And then he tells the wishmaster, um, he's like, you know, this is bullshit. He's like, I, I just wish my lawyer would go fuck himself. Um, I feel like I have seen this or heard of this because, yeah, that right. sounds familiar. And then the lawyer comes to tell him that he got him off. And the, <laughs> the lawyer, his legs start to bend back behind his head and proceeds to have his way with himself. Huh. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's exactly that same vibe. We're like, oh, you know, you can get some x-ray specs, but you're going to see through everything. Mm-hmm. Not so just that's the good creep- stuff. Yeah, that's, so that's Creep Show in a nutshell. Indeed. An hour and 13 minutes of Creep Show. Not too bad. No, it, well, once you said, once you, uh, you're like, oh yeah, we still got four more to cover. I was like, fuck, man. Yeah, I mean, like we do, <laughs> mm-hmm. but like, <laughs> I was like, man, if I deep dive into each one of these, we're gonna be here for two hours. Yeah. Um, so without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into our scorecard. Okay. Um, so my best kill, um, I wrote down Charlie. Which one was and Charlie? Now, and now that I am, let me look at the. Ouch, Charlie. Oh, the best kill was Charlie. Um, sorry, played by Rob, uh, Robert Harper. Um, Charlie from the crate. He's the he's the the undergrad or whatever that goes to look and just gets fucking destroyed. Uh. Like he gets clawed. Like his death was a lot more visual than just getting pulled inside the crate. Like, his mm-hmm. skin was gashed and torn. Like, it was a brutal kill. Yeah. I went with uh, the Stan the Dad and the Voodoo Doll. As we were just talking about, as a comic book fan, there was something gratifying about someone trashing on comics and getting their comeuppance. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'm pretty sure that we both um, are the same on this one, but my most wanted to die was Wilma. AKA everyone calls me Billy, even though nobody yeah. calls her Billy. That that's my runner up because it's such an easy tee off. I oh. my initial one because I have that in parentheses right next to it, but I went with mm-hmm. Richard Leslie Nielsen because he's really? such a horrible monster. 
Well, that, he hurt, yeah. He, he hurt Ted Danson, and you don't hurt Becca. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, Billy is the easy tee off, but at the same time, that's like being like, uh, well, I want Upson Pratt to die because he's yeah. just a, a ruthless, rich dickhead that doesn't care about anybody else. He's he's basically like a modern Scrooge that's a germaphobe and won't leave his house. Well, and to be fair, this movie has no shortage of people I would love to see die. Right. I, I, I could pick one from every segment, really. Well, now I feel bad because my my most wanted to live is super easy, and it's Hank, Ed Harris, and given what you just said, I think I know who yours is. Ted Danson. <laughs> even though he was even though he was knowingly cheating on a well, as I, with a as woman. you may recall, I did not remember that that's what uh, was happening. Oh, I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's uh, a cop out. <laughs> you knew. I feel like you knew. I thought it was kidding. a money thing. Like, I completely yeah. forgot. I didn't catch what happened, and I thought he just huh. owed him money. No, fair enough. Um, my grossest moment um, was I put the cockroach chest burster. But yeah, then that was I my runner-up. I added, a, I added uh, the cockroach protein shake because <laughs> that, that was <laughs> the disgusting. The thing you thought in your mind that may or may not be true but probably is. Yeah. That, yeah. No, it was because when he opened it up and he looked inside, you could see some shell oh. or exoskeleton and stuff like that. I missed um, that too. I must have looked away I, too much. Oh, did you get scaled? A little. Oh. But I'll be okay. What was, all right. What's your grossest moment? Because now I'm curious. I went with the zombie dad and the severed head cake. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I get I get it. But I, 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 it was so comical for me that it didn't really strike me as a gross moment. Well, it was just so unexpected. And having no frame of reference, like I said, I saw it when I was a kid but remembered nothing of it. It just was so surprising. Mm-hmm. And it, it was very reminiscent of uh, Trick or Treat for me. Mm. When What's-Her-Face is, uh, her head is put on the... Pike oh, with the lollipop yeah, yeah, yeah. in her mouth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, if it was done visually and looked like Trick or Treat looked, then I could yeah. see that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my dumbest moment. I'm just gonna go out on a limb because I didn't write anything down. It's gonna be. Um, it's gonna come from the uh, Jordy Verrill. Yeah. When when Stephen King finds a meteor and is like, "Hey, I'm going to touch it." Yeah, I just put the hillbilly in his meteor. <laughs> like the whole thing, that whole segment just drove me nuts. If it yeah, wasn't whole- Stephen King and the whole uh, Castle Rock reference, there would be nothing about that segment I would ever want to rewatch. Well, and that's the thing is Stephen King wasn't bad in it. Like it wasn't like. No, he did what was called for, you know, of him, but... Yeah, it wasn't like... what they should have done. Yeah, it wasn't like him, you know, in Ma- in the beginning of Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. Like, um... And so, if now... we the, It was originally going to be favorite segment, but we're going to rank them in order. So, technically, there's six... So I'm True. going to I'm going to rank it. So number one for me 
is something so one is our best what yeah so number one is the you want to go backwards you want to do number five to number one sure or six to one yeah, or six to one so sure. my number six is going to be the lonesome death of jordy barrel me too um number five for me is going to be the crate me too <laughs> Okay, I see where this is going. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to be pretty damn close on all these because they are. They're just there's a certain level of quality in some of them where they're actually disturbing and creepy. Yeah. So as of now, we got we got Jordy Verrills coming in last, followed mm-hmm. by the crate, and then number four for me is going to be Father's Day. I'm looking over my options, and I'm going to have to agree. Um, as much as I it, like Father's Day. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, the others just eke it out too much. Yeah, there's, yeah, and then I'm going to go number three. My number three is going to be... Um, this is tough, because... I know. Um, so number three for me is going to be... Um, the prologue and epilogue. Yeah, we're gonna have the same list. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was thinking why... you were gonna pick the bug one, and I was gonna be like, "Well, I'm gonna pick the comic book one." Well, no, and that, the reason why I went number three because I mean, it was it was it it was part you know partly part of my favorite parts of the movie were the beginning and the end of that, but it's literally like three mi- like three to five minutes worth of segment. Like it's not yeah. a lot. But those three to five minutes were better than the other three that we listed. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it. it's a nice setup and payoff, but you kind of forget mm-hmm. about it. Yep. And there's no real journey to follow to where you super invest. It's just a nice little... It's, it's exactly like trick-or-treat. Yep. So number two for me is they're creeping up on you. Right. And number one, uh, something to tide you over. Yeah. It's the best one. Wow, who would have thought, Justin? I never thought we I'm, would ever agree this much on anything in our entire lives. 100%, <laughs> 6 for 6. And hey, that's actually our first time really doing a top list. Yeah. I mean, you've done you've done them on, you know, other shows and stuff like that uh, several times. Mhm. But that's our, that's our first time of doing a ranking. I'm kind of it's kind of nice. Yeah. And so, we were dead on shot for shot, <laughs> which is scary and Yep. Yeah, we're, we, I feel like if you weren't such an asshole, we'd probably get along much better than we do. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. I was maybe. thinking the same thing. See, we're still, yep. we're, we're still, still right the, there. Just a little yep. flip there. <laughs> Alrighty, so that is our Creep Show episode. Um, we're going to wrap it up now. Um, before we dive into where you can find us in the social medias, um, we're going to have Justin unveil his next episode topic. And as he teased early on in the beginning, hopefully you're still here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing a deviation from the normal. We're covering movies. Yeah. So, so we're throwing around a couple different ideas for different topics, different things that we could do in the future. Um, I'm trying one for my next episode. Brandon's doing a TV show, like he said, and we're just going to try a few things. Um, my next one is close to what we do, but a tad different. Uh, it's a remake versus original matchup. 
Um, I'm of course picking Nightmare on Elm Street because that's the first thing that we that was that's what we debuted our um, this show with. Yeah, was Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, and so I kind of wasn't surprised when you sent me the the email of your notes for it. Yeah, um, and I mean it's it's my favorite franchise. It's something we've covered before. I thought about doing Texas Chainsaw because I I really like those ones as well. Yeah. Um. But, you know, with some tooling, I decided to stick to that. And then uh, I decided to match up the versus versus ori- or the original versus remake topic with a little spotlight on the creator of Freddy Krueger, Wes Craven. Correct. And so in our attempts for a long time now to try to come up with variations of episode ideas to be like well what can we do to to mix it up a little bit to kind of see it you know is it the movies that you guys like is that what you want us to keep doing it's hard it's hard to tell with the numbers because they go up they go down they don't hit right away then you know a week later i'll go and check and we've jumped up 30 lessons and it's like oh oh, all right i don't know if that's good or you know yeah and then the the movies that are doing well sometimes it makes sense and other times it, it doesn't yeah, like, like I'm pretty sure, I'll, I'll take a look right now, but I'm pretty sure Amityville Horror is extremely close, if not already past Nightmare on Elm Street. Wow. Well, and so, I know Midnight Meat Train was big for a while, too. Oh, jeez. See, and this is the thing. It's like either our podcast sucks and people listen to the first episode and then just stop because Nightmare on Elm Street listens continue to climb and then Lost Boys and Midnight Meat Train and everything else after that yeah, uh, it hasn't gone up. Huh. So, um... Maybe our show sucks and no one's told us. Yeah, and maybe it does. Yeah, <laughs> dude, uh, Amityville Horror is two plays behind Nightmare on Elm Street. Wow. Two, well, that's yeah, not two, bad, two. considering it was much later on in the run. Well, they are not super, but yeah, it's about midway. Yeah. Yeah, huh. no, not, dude, we did um, Amityville Horror, yeah, January, so it's been eight months. Yeah. Well, it's actually been, dude, it came out nine months ago tomorrow. Yeah, but, but we had that um, month and change of nothing, so. True, true. Um, and so, yeah, it's really hard to gauge because, like, now even The Shining's about to, is creeping up. I think that's the third highest listened to one. I'm just going to say it right now. Nope. They're all my episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mr. <laughs> Don't start. That's because I'm I'm covering movies that I love. <laughs> sure. And but nobody my, else does. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, so you, I'm not, I don't know, man. Like, my Midnight Meat Train was a pretty, was not That one surprised on, me. That one wasn't necessarily on the beaten path, but even Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark has jumped up. Hmm. Um, and then, Who knows, but next episode, we're trying something different. If you like yep. it, let us know. If you don't like it, let us know. Because like I said, yep. if you don't tell us, we're just going to do whatever we want. So Right. And so we did get another rating on iTunes. Nice. It, it did not accompany a review and so here's the deal on that like we're super appreciative that you like rate and review but um 
we so the rating was a three star, which is kind of what I feel to be more accurate. <laughs> like I'm I'm super critical on yeah. the things that we do, and every episode I feel sucks. And you know this could have been done differently, that could have been done differently. Yeah. But like, if you could do us a favor, if you do rate us, like we love the five stars. Um, but if you give us like a, a one through four rating, would definitely love to know what like what prompted that rating yeah. if that makes sense like if it's a three star which i won't fight you on what about it makes it a three star a two mm-hmm. star a four star i mean a five star is great that helps get get us you know seen and we'll take those all day long but like if, if we get anything less than than five it, it'd definitely be nice to know yeah because it gives us something to work on it gives us something to to change if need be or you know maybe you just don't like the sound of brandon's voice which i get yeah i listen to it it a lot and i'm sick of it yeah like uh, i mean because essentially what we're doing is we're taking idea turds and throwing them at the wall to see what sticks and there's (laughs) without without you know knowing for sure we're just going to kind of keep fumbling through the dark um but yeah, like you said, so next episode is going to be exciting. Um, I'm going to give Justin a fair shake. We, If you listen to the show at all, you know that I've never been the biggest fan of the Nightmare remake. Um, While I, on the other hand, am staring at a theatrical poster of it on my wall right now. Right. Well, I'm staring at a theatrical posters for Candyman on Friday the 13th. Fair. So I win. Um, yeah. But yeah, so... That uh, we can continue to ramble on, but we're, we're going to call it here. So, yeah. um, we appreciate you if you made it all the way through the end. You're the real MVP, and we appreciate the hell out of you. Um, until we get together again soon for our original versus remake slash director spotlight episode, um, you can find us on Facebook. Um, we are on there at Pod and Gore Podcast. We have a Facebook group. Um, it's a private group, but no, people request to join it. Yeah, uh, you got yeah. So it's it, it's a closed group, but it's not private. And so we'll let you in, but all we ask is we just want to make sure that you're not just a group junkie and want to join all the groups to be in all the groups. Yeah. Um, we do ask that you answer the questions. They're super easy. You just let us know. Um, what's your favorite horror movie? It's just super easy. You could be vague as hell. Um, who's your favorite slasher? Because that's my my favorite thing about horrors are the slashers. Yeah, and, then epi- and, and then um, episode three, or question three, is have you listened to our podcast? And, and the majority of the people who request to be in the group do not. <laughs> that and sounds so, right. <laughs> right. And then we, I, I make sure to put the rules in there. If you don't answer the questions, we're not going to let you in. It's not that we don't want you in there. It's just we want to make sure that you're a person that you're going to, you know. Yeah, and you're not a something. bot or a troll or. You know, popping in to share things. Uh, we're a horror group. And with the climate of everything that's going on in the world, horror is kind of our escape from yeah. the real life horrors. And so. We're not there to talk politics. We're not there to talk about this, that, or the other, you know. It's appreciation of horror at its finest, or unfinest in the case of Maximum Overdrive. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at gore underscore pod. You can email us at podandgore at gmail.com. We're on the Slasher app at at pod underscore and underscore gore underscore podcast. 
Um, it's been kind of dead on there. I haven't done a whole lot. I've been like as I said, I've been busy. We're remodeling. Um, mm-hmm. uh, am I missing anything? I don't think so. Uh, if you can, please like, uh, subscribe, rate, review, help us listen. get known. Yeah, listen. Um, do everything. <laughs> yeah. All the help uh, yeah. helps. All the help helps. Uh, we want, we just want to make sure that it's it's worth. Like we love doing this, and we do it because we enjoy it, and we expect nothing in return. But it would be nice to to know what road you guys want us to go down because you know we're kind of at that fork where we kind of feel like we might want to do something a little bit different with the show but if you want us to keep you know going right we won't turn left you know so until next time though um you can catch us on all the social medias send us an email justin's always justin's been posting like crazy on there um i'm i've been inviting people to the groups and accepting invitations and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um and by Facebook's that, I mean, probably people, our most active place. Yeah, we're cre- we're creeping up on I think fourteen hundred uh, likes or Facebook groups at four hundred and I think eighteen people. Right. I mean, they're still ba- they're still baby numbers, but it it, it completely um, kind of blows away what our expectations would ever have been for anything like that. And so, yeah. Um, but until next time, when we, you guys get our new episode, uh, I've been Brennan. and I've been Justin. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.